Yo, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We are on episode 36, and this week we are going to be talking about the big trade that happened 17 seconds after I uploaded the last week's hockey cast. So thank you very much, New York and St. Louis. So we'll be talking about that trade. Some trade rumors swarming around San Jose. We're going to touch on that a little bit. I want to take a look at the league leaders in the stats because I just kind of ran out of time last week so I want to do that this week we will talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and I think I might be over my anger of the Calgary Flames at least for now you know we're still we're still patching up that relationship so we'll talk a little bit about the Flames this week so we'll ease into that so let's start out as always well not as always let's just start out with the big trade that happened uh, last week so Tarasenko is now a part of the Saint or not the St. Louis Blues. No way, Jose. That is over. That is Dunyan Rings. He is now a member of the New York Rangers. I mean, damn. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Think it's, it's about time that Tarasenko got out of St. Louis. He was there for a very long time. So let's break down the trade. Let's start with the New York Rangers side. So the New York Rangers acquire Vladimir Tarasenko. 50% salary retained. And on top of that, they also pick up Nico Mikola. So Tarasenko, he is a goal scorer, top six goal scoring guy. He's got a little bit of that grit to him, underrated grit. He won a Stanley Cup in 2019, was a pretty big part of that. And uh, sadly, the relationship between he and St. Louis kind of dissolved over the last, uh, basically since they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, mostly on Tarasenko's side, he feels like he was underappreciated, undervalued in, in his role in St. Louis. So he's wanted out for quite some time. And uh, yeah, lots of ru- lots of trade rumors swarming around Tarasenko for the last few seasons. And uh, the trade has just never come until now. So him going to New York, I really like that fit. I mean, he's got a, what is it, a countryman and... Artemi Panarin so they've already connected right there I believe he's already gone on the top line he's scored on its first shot as a New York Ranger so I mean you can't really start out much better than that I mean so it's a really good start for Tarasenko so uh, I like that move a good ad for them and on top of that they're picking up Nico Mikola who is a big big boy he is a big defenseman I believe he's like six foot five 200 plus pound defenseman so a very good ad there for their depth on I believe he'll be playing a top six defenseman role bottom six defenseman and uh, it's a good ad especially they're gearing up for a good playoff run uh, Rangers have just been dominating the league. They're quite possibly the hottest team in the league right now. They've been climbing the standings for quite a while now and playing very good. I believe that their GM is rewarding that very good play and adding a very nice forward right there and a good defenseman. I think underratedly is that addition of, of Mikula because that is a fantastic, that is just fantastic playoff edition he is going to be very hopefully very effective for them I mean he's just a very good fit for a playoff run so I like that addition as well so good job for the New York Rangers they they get what they need you get more offensive power plus that defensive depth a slight upgrade on their defense it looks like he's going to be replacing uh, I don't think it's Schneider but 
I don't know, man. I don't know. But regardless, it's a good move for them. Plus, they're getting that 50% retained, so they can still make more moves. It's not like this is it for the Rangers. They could still add some more. They still have a little bit more uh, room, and they have a lot of assets. I mean, they got a lot of ton- a ton of really young players. I mean, I don't think they're going to trade away Kako or Lafreniere right now, but... I mean, they could, and they could pick up something crazy. I don't think Patrick Kane is worth uh, those kind of players anymore. We'll talk about Patrick Kane in just a second. But before we talk about Patrick Kane, let's go over to the St. Louis side. So what did St. Louis get out of this deal? Were they getting a conditional first-round pick in 2023? I do not know what that condition is. I imagine it's a... um, Probably some sort of lottery protection, I'm not sure. But uh, regardless, St. Louis is getting a first-round pick. Sammy Blay returns to St. Louis. He had a long run with St. Louis. Did not work out at all for him in New York, so he's coming back. And they also get a conditional fourth-round pick in 2024 and a young defensive prospect in Hunter Skinner. I believe he was a second-round pick. Uh, defenseman, so we don't really know what he's about right now, but I mean, that is a pretty nice package there for St. Louis. I mean, the wheels have kind of come off the bus for St. Louis. They've uh, not been playing well this season, and uh, yeah, I think they're just going to uh, commit to hopefully getting a, a good draft pick. They're, they're down there, man. They're not playing good at all, but Sammy Blake coming back, I mean, he was a good, solid player for them. I believe he was there for the Stanley Cup run, so He's uh, That's a nice uh, thing for them to bring him back. I think that that could work out good for them. And it's just kind of interesting. I don't know. It goes back to that kind of confusing trade that the Rangers made after the playoffs uh, a couple seasons ago where they traded away uh, Buchnevich and they brought in Sammy Blay. I believe that's how that went down. And everyone was like, whoa, like, I don't know about that. Like, uh, Buchnevich has proven to be quite a good goal scorer over there in St. Louis, a good top six forward that arguably would have filled that slot that Tarasenko is now filling and so all in all I don't think that trade worked out for them at all they could have just kept Buchnevich and then yeah they wouldn't have had to make this trade right here they could have kept that first or maybe they could have added Patrick Kane regardless I just I keep I was just I couldn't stop thinking about it how it's like oh you traded away a young top six goal scoring Russian forward and now you're bringing in a He's an older, more experienced one, but I think Bushnevich is the better player. But so far, so good for Tarasenko in uh, New York. So that's so far, so good for both sides. I like the trade for both sides. It makes a lot of sense. Both teams win on this one. We'll see. More so, this is a playoff trade, so it's going to come down to how effective these two players are for New York, Tarasenko and Mikola. We'll see how far they can go in the playoffs this year. So far, so good for them right now. They look really, really good. So I think their record is something ridiculous. Like they've won 20, 20 games out of their last 24. Something outrageous like that. But they're they're rolling right now. And it all comes back to Jacob Truba throwing that helmet down and yelling at his team after getting in that fight. And that was, that's was that been the turning point. Ever since then, man, New York has been unstoppable. They've been great. So... Good for them picking up that forward. So someone who's not too happy about this trade going down was Patrick Kane. So he comes out and says, like, yeah, it's not my favorite trade. And uh, it's it's clear now that he that was his number one target. That's where if he was going to get traded, that was the number one place he wanted to go. But you snooze, you lose, man. It's um it's a it's a hard situation right now with Patrick Kane. There's a lot of 
rumors and talk going around about how hurt is Patrick Kane is his hip completely done Patrick Kane says that he's feeling better than he did last year which I mean I don't know if I'm buying that I I think it's um, a little bit of everything I think it's uh, Patrick Kane is dealing with an injury I think he's dealing with a lack of motivation with the whole Chicago situation and it's probably hard for for him like all the history that he had with Chicago and then this really just rough last few years for him and Chicago. I mean, with the whole uh, controversy with the team, which was probably really just mentally draining for him, the team falling apart, all the pieces slowly going away from the championship teams, continued just not having success throughout the regular season. So I imagine the motivation could not be much lower for him right now. And a change of scenery would be great. The problem is now I don't like it's almost come to the to the situation now that people think that Jonathan Taves might bring in more than what Patrick Kane might bring in. So if that's the situation, then I would have to say that the best move for Chicago would be to talk to Patrick Kane work out you know okay man like maybe it's not the best thing for us to move you this season because just focus on getting healthy we'll sign you to a very easily movable deal in the offseason and then you could have your pick next season of whoever the contender is Tarasenko more than likely will not be re-signing with New York so maybe next year you can go over to New York and and go with them and and play your heart out and I don't know man I still feel like the door is still open for Patrick Kane to get traded. It's just that the options for him now may be not as tempting as they are with New York because New York is bonafide. They're going to the playoffs. It looks very strong for them. They're going to have a, a good run in the playoffs. They were fantastic last year, really almost a Cinderella run. I mean, it was they weren't necessarily favorites, but they had a great run. They were that surprise run team last year, and they did really good. So, uh it looks good for them to do that again. So Patrick Kane, obviously quite tempted. It's New York, baby. I mean, New York is a is a big market, and uh, yeah, they would they would welcome him very much. Now, I still like. I mean, Buffalo is very very tempting it's because a they can do it. They have lots of money. They got assets that they can move, and he's freaking from Buffalo. So that fit is amazing. The only problem is. Buffalo is in a harder situation to make the playoffs, especially recently. Their play has kind of fallen off. They got demolished by Calgary, who is like, you know, that's not not really good. I think that's more uh, towards the play of Buffalo recently than Calgary being good because Calgary still is kind of in that up and down. So I would I would take that seven to two loss more on the Buffalo side. That's like, ooh, they're okay. It looks like they're kind of the wheels are almost starting to fall off the bus with Buffalo. So. Would Patrick Kane really want to go to a team that, you know, it's not a guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs. So other options out there, uh, Dallas Stars apparently could be a good fit for him. Uh, But would he want to go with Dallas? Would he fit in good with that Dallas system? They play a little bit more hard and defensively. So it could be a good fit for him. I mean... I just think alone, just if Patrick Kane can move, the the rejuvenation for him would be fantastic. But teams are going to have to be very weary. Buyers beware with Patrick Kane right now. So he'll more than likely be asked to uh, give a medical report or have the team's doctors take a look at him before they make any serious considerations to acquire Patrick Kane. But I still hope that he can get that move done. 
just for how how fun that would be to see Patrick Kane somewhere else. It'd be sad to see him out of a of a Chicago uniform that's going to look really weird, especially if he goes to, like, Dallas. Like, whoa, the black and green over the red. That's going to be really weird, but it could be a great move for Dallas. So I don't know how that money is going to work out. That's, that's going to be difficult with Patrick Kane's. There, there's a lot of... Uh, consideration that there could be a three-team deal and yeah I just don't know if at this point with all the uh, worries with Patrick Kane right now in his game I don't know if teams are really going to pay the price right now I think it was better for New York to go with a more surefire thing in Tarasenko he's more or less what they want out of what they would get out of Patrick Kane but Tarasenko's got the size Patrick Kane obviously has got better skills but Damn, man, it's, uh, yeah, Patrick Kane wasn't too happy about that, so I don't know what the future holds for Patrick Kane. I think if I was Chicago, I would work on just trying to keep him, get healthy, and we'll do it next year when we have you uh, under a contract that's way more easily moved, and then you can have your pick of wherever the hell you want to go, because Patrick Kane's made his money, he's won Stanley Cups, he's done just about everything you can do for an NHL career, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, I would say, unless something terrible happens the more terrible news out of chicago who knows but regardless he's uh there's not much more he needs to do to prove himself in the league so he could just retire a chicago blackhawk if he wants to not really much appeal for him to stay there understandably but i just hope uh patrick kane does something i just do something cool i mean go somewhere i would really like him to go to buffalo just because how cool that would be I just doubt. I just really highly doubt that's going to happen. But maybe next year, maybe maybe next year he can do that. So there you go. I like the trade for both ends. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. What do you think of the trade? If you want to get involved with this podcast, you can always send me a message or questions, anything about the podcast. I'll answer it live on the show and all that great stuff. So you can follow on Twitter, anything you want. All right. So moving on from that. With still talking about the trade talks. So San Jose's been coming up a lot because Eric Carlson's having an unbelievable season. And is Eric Carlson going to get traded out of San Jose? I don't know. There's a lot of rumors going around that Edmonton is kicking tires at Eric Carlson. But what the hell? Like, what does a trade look like between Edmonton and San Jose? So San Jose's already come out and said, like, we ain't going to 50%. Uh, retention on Carlson that's just going to be way too much money way too much dead cap for them to take on so I believe their number was 15 to 20 percent that's the maximum they're willing to retain so yeah that's still going to be a very expensive contract for a team to take on a little bit more manageable for sure for sure it'd still be around that eight nine million dollar mark more than likely unless again a third team wants to get involved and then you get that double retention then maybe you can get it down to 40 percent overall but again i just don't know if edmonton has the assets for that uh there's a lot i mean they're already already uh going to be waving pool unless that already happened that's already been in the talk that they're going to waive him I would think there's a good chance that he would clear because of the contract, but again, he's a a, a fourth overall pick. Would someone? I mean, again, I now I'm just thinking about Seattle every time because they have that magic touch. Because Tolvanen's been good, Sprong has been good for them, and could they could they fix Pulyarvi if they pick him up as well? I don't know if they have room to do that with a, another reclamation project, but maybe Seattle would do it. Maybe Arizona would pick him up. 
<coughs> there already might be a couple teams calling them to uh, to see if they can acquire him for cheap instead of sending him on waivers. So then they can pick him up, and then they have the option of sending him down to the minors, and then he can maybe find his game down there a little bit, build up his confidence because Pool Yarvey has come out and said that. Uh, to a Finnish reporter, which again, there may be some things lost in translation there, but he's come out and said that, yeah, I've lost my confidence, clearly. I mean, no doubt, dude, you've had a terrible time in Edmonton. The fans are treating you badly. The man, the team teams see, the team seems to be treating you badly. You just don't seem to be wanted there very much. So, understandably, he would want to get out. There's a rabid, uh, a really rabid Canadian market all over him all the time. So, a place like Arizona, somewhere quiet, maybe that would be a, a good place for him to go. We'll we'll see what happens with Puyarvi, but would could Edmonton acquire someone like Eric Carlson? So the only way that I could really see this working out is that they would have to move Tyson Berry. I would I would imagine because that would be your upgrade. You, you have Tyson Berry, who is a he's a good offensive defenseman, got zero defensive abilities basically, but very good offensive defenseman, but you bring in Eric Carlson, that's a massive upgrade. So you can move out that Tyson Berry money, which I mean, that helps. There's, there's potentially, I mean, you move down Pugliarvi, that'll free up some more. So maybe they could do that. You move a Tyson Berry move, with a Pugliarvi and a draft pick or something like that. Would that be enough to pry away Eric Carlson from San Jose? I mean... It's tough, man. It's hard to judge what trade values are right now with the salary cap being the way that it is and and, con- and Eric Carlson's contract being the way it is. Like, Yes, he is putting up a ridiculous amount of points. I believe he has top four in points. We'll find, find out a little bit later when we talk about that. But damn, dude, can you imagine Eric Carlson on the Oilers that and feeding the puck to, to Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Hyman, and Nugent Hopkins? I mean that would just be magical right that's literally them building a modern 80s oiler team when you had Wayne Gretzky with Paul Coffey Messier Curry like Edmonton currently would be trying to recreate that with McDavid Dreisaitl Nugent Hopkins Hyman damn dude that would be a ton of fun I mean yes I want it yeah absolutely because it would just be a ton of fun like oh Edmonton would be going full 80s mode, all offense, doubling down on the offense, which I have said doesn't usually work in the playoffs. It doesn't translate very well, but when you have someone like Connor McDavid on your team, it's a little bit of a different story. Now, I'm not saying that Matthews can't do what Connor McDavid does, but he hasn't really shown that yet that he could take over a series all by himself and McDavid has kind of shown that he's a handful to deal with in the playoffs and he can win Edmonton a series or two by himself before a team can really shut him down it's very very difficult to shut him down and it's very difficult to shut down Matthews but it's happened it's happened in the playoffs and we've seen McDavid go farther so I would I would go I would say that it works out better for a team with Connor McDavid on it over what Matthews is because Matthews he's just a better he's a better two-way player and he's shown that this year he's he was leading the league in block shots he's been very good 200 foot player for a while now he just keeps getting better at that and it looks like this year he's taken that step uh towards uh more uh focus on the 200 foot game and you can 
compare that to Steve Yazirman back in the day where he was putting up stupid numbers back in the day, like 150 points. And then he started focusing a little bit more on the 200-foot game, and he was putting up great numbers, not as good as he used to, but he started adding Stanley Cups to that resume. So what's more important? You be the judge. You decide. But anyway, Eric Carlson on the Edmonton Oilers, that is how I would do it. It'd be a Tyson Berry going out there, maybe a Poole Yarvey and a pick. You bring in Eric Carlson with 20% retained if that money works out. So that's how I would see it if that could go down. I mean, no real effect. I know Tyson Berry is quite beloved in the locker room, at least. I don't know how the fans feel about him because of those defensive liabilities, but... He is a fantastic passer. He's really good. I mean, but it's it's without question. Eric Carlson is a pretty substantial upgrade over Tyson Berry. The only problem is you got, what, I think three or four more years on the Eric Carlson contract. Now, I think he's going to be good for most of that. Who knows about that last year? But I, I think he can do this next year. Now, I... Not the exact amount of points. I think his points... Who knows? He could even get more points if he's got a McDavid and Lee and all those guys to pass to. The only problem is, I think right now in San Jose, Eric Carlson is the A guy, right? That is the that's the that is the straw that stirs the drink in San Jose. So if if San Jose loses Eric Carlson, they pretty much lose all offense. And what role is he playing in Edmonton? I mean, you got to imagine he'll be on that top line. Wherever McDavid is, he'll be there. Top top power play. Can you imagine that power play? Leon or Leon Dreisaitl, McDavid, Eric Carlson, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman. <gasps> oh, good luck stopping that. So Edmonton or um, excuse me. Yeah, no, sorry. Edmonton could do that. Maybe they even consider add. I mean, Jack Campbell. I hold on. Let's just stop and talk about Jack Campbell. He's been getting it together too. He's been putting up wins lately, and I know this because I picked him up in fantasy like a while back now, way before everyone everyone started noticing that Jack Campbell's starting to play decently. I don't know; he's not necessarily living living up to that contract yet, but he's starting to win. The goal he's starting to put together some good games, and the team is playing better in front of him. So these are really good signs. It looks like Edmonton's really finding that stride. Oh my goodness, I just want I want it. I just want them to acquire Eric Carlson. That would be so much fun. What do you think an Eric Carlson deal to Edmonton would look like? Do you think it's a good idea for the Oilers? I think at this point, they might as well double down on the offense. It's worked better for them than any other team that I can think about, so why not? Let's do it. Will Eric Carlson get traded this year? If he does, I would have to just so much respect to the San Jose GM. Greer? I believe it's Greer. That would be insane. Not only did he move Brett Burns, which isn't a bad, he's not like a bad contract, but it's just something they need to move off of. He did that. If he can move off of Eric Carlson and bring in some assets, you have to trade Eric Carlson. If there is an opportunity right now to trade him, I think just take what you can and just get that contract off because you need to get it off. So if, if he can do that trade, Wow, what a first year, what an impact he would make on his first year as a GM in the NHL. So I want it to happen, but what do you guys think? Do you think that that trade would go down? I'm hoping for it. 
But let's move on to um, some also some good news. Before we get into the bad news, one more piece of good news. Evgeny Malkin, the milkman, hits 1,200 points this week. So a congratulations is due to him. Really just a fun career for Malkin. Uh very entertaining personality. He's he's underrated. I don't know if it's even underrated how mean he is <laughs> in the NHL. But, yeah, the Milk Band is a good time. Uh, it's just a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, there's what hasn't been said about Malkin. Uh, he'd be uh, just the, the best player on most teams in the NHL. But the one-two combo of him and Sidney for that whole career, I mean, so good. So much fun. And congratulations to Malkin. So let's move on to some sad news. So Ovechkin has been out of the lineup for uh, a, f- a little bit here, and it's come out that his dad passed away just, I don't know if that was today, but his dad passes away at 71, and that's going to be a huge blow to Ovi, man, because he was very important. His dad was a huge, huge influence on him. I mean, I his dad was so charming. If you haven't, like, look up a, a video or something of Ovechkin back in the day. I always remember the video of Ovi... Uh, going back home and visiting his his mom and dad, his dad, and his and his and Ovi's just like literally playing Call of Duty like way back in the day, and he's young and it's just his mom cooking him some food, and his dad shows up and he's got his hair and his hair's so outrageous, it's so beautiful. But yeah, man, regardless, that is um, that's just really sad news. Uh, that sucks for Ovechkin and uh, take his time. I mean, obviously, it's it's really important. Uh, to have Ovechkin in the lineup right now, especially how tight it is for the playoff race right now. But, you know, there's other things in life that are more important than sports and stuff. Um, so just uh, do what you need to do, Ovechkin, and, and take your time and uh, just come back and um, dominate the league. Just continue doing what you're doing. So that is sad news. Uh, never good to hear that. And more bad news is the Sen- Senators goaltender Anton Forsberg is out indefinitely. He somehow managed to sprain or injure both of his MCLs uh, in each knee. So uh, pretty impressive for him to do something like that. Uh, it has been said that he doesn't need surgery. So he, he there's a small chance that he could come back at late in the season. But there's really really not much of a point in doing that unless the senators go super saiyan mode here and they and they go on a big run uh that is a bad blow for the senators because talbot is out uh himself so they've been uh down to their third goalie i think his name is Solzgard, or, or it might be that hell's hellberg guy regardless he's been playing not too bad so uh word on the street is that the sends might be in the market for a goaltender uh, word was they might have been in the market for a starting goaltender, but now maybe not so much. So we'll see how much longer this third string goalie for the Sens can work out. Uh, sucks with Forsberg, but uh, yeah, the Sens just haven't had much luck throughout this season. At least, uh, I mean, Brady Kachuk's been crushing it lately. He's been doing really good. And uh, yeah, with the more bad news, uh, this time for the New Jersey Devils, they got... Jack Hughes is going to be out for a few weeks, which sucks. I mean, Jack Hughes has had uh, quite a few injuries throughout his career. Uh, this season in particular, he's uh, he's relatively stayed injury-free, and obviously he has gone to the next level, the superstar level that everybody has been waiting for. So uh, New Jersey has pulled it back together. They've been playing very, very good lately. 
And they've been playing fine without Jack Hughes so far, so it uh, shows off that their team is a little bit deeper. They also got Palat back recently. He's been crushing it, so that that's a big move. That, that was a big loss for them early in the season. They managed to get through that, and now he's back. So I think that's a huge thing for them to get Palat back. He's a, he's a really just a really good leader a veteran player he's won all those Stanley Cups with Tampa Bay and he's been lighting it up over there so that really helps and yeah I mean New Jersey's been doing really good so I just can't wait to see what they're gonna do in the playoffs it's gonna be a very fun situation for them I mean not a lot of people expected them to do what they're doing and a lot of people are still doubting them what they can do in the playoffs so I can't wait to see what's going to happen with the New Jersey Devils in the playoffs but just gonna have to wait until they get there and they're gonna be without Hughes for a few weeks but they're doing fine without him and now we have some signings I completely forgot that signings still happened and there was a couple uh, from LA that I want to talk about so Los Angeles signed Mikey Anderson uh, 23 year old defenseman eight year deal worth 4.125 million dollars per season so we get another one of those eight year deals that talked about last week that I kind of I was kind of hoping that those were going to be sort of phased out of the league a little bit but here's another one maybe the GMs are just trying to squeeze them in before maybe they are phased out regardless I don't know a whole lot about Mikey Anderson I would compare him compare this deal to the Samuelson deal that was signed in Buffalo uh, I would imagine I feel he's a he's a similar defenseman for the LA Kings a young uh, steady defensive defenseman but I'm not 100 percent regardless it's not the riskiest deal I mean eight-year deals they're as risky as eight-year deals come come with the same risk as any deal of length you got injury potential anything like that uh, uh, decrease in play the potential could go out he could become a not good player out of nowhere so those things could happen but it could on the bright side it could be worth a very good deal if he becomes a very very solid top four defensive defenseman someone you can rely on in big minutes big penalty kill minutes so it could be a very good deal for the Los Angeles Kings they've been signing some pretty solid deals over the last few years so this one could work out for them it's pretty interesting young defenseman and um, yeah just another young guy getting a big deal uh, before he's necessarily proven what uh, what he's done but not a bad deal and they also gave goaltender Phoenix Copley a one-year extension worth 1.5 million dollars I mean well earned for Phoenix Copley with the whole goaltending situation that's been going on with LA he's been there to kind of help them stay in the playoffs stay in the race while they're trying to figure out what's going on with Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson so I think it's a well-deserved contract. It's a good one. This could potentially be Jonathan Quick's last year, so it's smart to pick him up for one year since he's proven himself to uh, been, a- been able to be a solid goaltender for them during some pretty tough times. So I like that contract signing. Pretty decent. All right, speaking of pretty decent, let's go take a look at the league leaders throughout the NHL I haven't looked at this in a while and I took a little peek at it before I started the podcast and I almost threw up because Connor McDavid is at 97 points already oh my goodness dude he is already three points away from 100 that is insane so he could very well do that tonight if he's playing tonight 
He could easily get three points and hit 100 points total already. He's only played 54 games, 42 goals, 55 assists already, 97 points. He could not play a game for the rest of the season. He'd still be in the top 10 in scoring. McDavid has gone to a different level this year, especially when it comes to goal scoring. He's already at 42 goals. His his high was 44 goals last season, so on pace to absolutely obliterate that season high total. He's uh, at 55 assists. So insane, insane season for Connor McDavid. He's just slightly under two points a game, which again is insane. So Connor McDavid having another fantastic season. It looks like he's going to be topping his best, which was last season. So I can see him easily, I, don't, I won't say easily, but I can see McDavid hitting 130 plus points this season. Maybe he goes even higher. Who knows? So good on him. The next up is Leon Dreisaitl, his his teammate at 79 points. So that's how far back the next guy is. Almost 20 points behind Connor McDavid and uh, Leon Dreisaitl is no slouch himself 79 points is insanely impressive as well just goes to show how much on a different level that Connor McDavid is so Leon Dreisaitl 79 points Nikita Kucherov back in Nikita Kucherov form 78 points Matthew Kachuk is there 75 points great on him he has been doing very well for himself in Florida and Florida's kind of been picking it up lately they're still not quite convincing me that they're going to make the playoffs, but they're trying their best, and Matty Kachuk is not a problem over there. David Pasternak continues to be stupid in Boston, 74 points. Eric Carlson, the first defenseman on the list at 73 points. Just an absolute outrage. He's already got, well, let's see, so 50 games last year, he had 35 points. In 55, he's got 73. I mean, oh my goodness, he's... He's on pace to absolutely obliterate his point totals in 2015-16, 82 games, 82 points. He's already got more goals than that, and he's only 11 assists away. So, holy crap, yeah, Eric Carlson is back, baby. It's really good to see. I mean, he's gone through so many of those horrible injuries, the Achilles, all that stuff, the controversies in Ottawa, and now it looks like he's really found his stride in San Jose. But will he be there for much longer? That is the question. Jason Robertson at 7th place with 71 points continues to truck along there in Dallas. I mean, again, he's taken another step this year. He's fantastic. On top of that, you got Tage Thompson, 69 points. Uh-huh. He's doing fantastic in Buffalo. Jack Hughes, 67 points. And Sidney Crosby, still in the top 10 in the NHL, 65 points for him. So that is your top 10 in points right now in the NHL. Now let's go over to goals. So it's getting a little bit tighter here with the with the goal race. So you got Connor McDavid still leading the charge, 42 goals, which is stupid. But David Pasternak, man, he is continuing the charge. He is coming after Connor McDavid, 39 goals. He is only three goals behind Connor McDavid. And it's going to be a, it looks like it's going to be that two horse race. I mean, Tage Thompson is there and so is Jack Hughes. Damn, they both have 35 goals. I mean, Jack Hughes has been crushing it, man. He could hit, I mean, without now, sadly, with that injury, I mean, he could have maybe hit 50 goals this year. So Jack Hughes is crushing it. Jason Robertson, Miko Rantanen, and Bo Horvat are all tied at 34 goals. So they're all doing really good. 
Miko Rantanen is having a really good year. Bo Horvat, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, has been doing okay since he got there in um, in New York. He's been he scored th- what is it three goals there since he got there. He had a pretty decent game against his former team. He got a goal and an assist against them, so that is fun. Again, um, he's definitely slowed down. I mean, he's he was. Uh, He's definitely slowed down, but he's doing good so far in New York, so that's good for him. He's still in the top five for goals in in the year, so very good for him. I don't think anyone was expecting him to be there and still there. Uh, Braden Point, 32 goals. Alexander Ovechkin, as always, going to be in that top 10, 32 goals, as well as Mark Scheifele. And then I'll, I'll throw in Timo Meyer. He's got 31 goals, so those are your top 10 in goals right now. Who do you think is going to have who is going to win the Rocket Rouchard. I think if if Pasternak keeps threatening Connor McDavid, I think McDavid just might take it to that another level. I, I think McDavid likes that someone's going to be challenging him, so it's going to be a really fun race. I am going to side with McDavid because I think he just wants it more. He really wants to just show everybody that he can win it. He can do the Sidney Crosby thing if he's like, if I want it, I'll take it and I'll get that. And um, yeah, dude, 42 goals is so ridiculous right now. David Pasternak right behind him though, but who knows? Tate Thompson can just go absolutely beast mode. He's already been going beast mode pretty much all season, but he doesn't have quite the team around him that Pasternak and McDavid have. So I don't know. I think it's down to the two horse race. And yeah, I just don't think Matthews wasn't even mentioned in there. So I don't think Matthews is going to be in in there this year, sadly. But I don't think that's what's important to Austin Matthews this year. He wants a Stanley Cup. Now, to the assists, we got Nikita Kucherov, 57 assists. I mean, oh, god damn, yeah. Nikita Kucherov is one of my... F- I love watching that guy dish the puck. He can dish it so fast and accurate through so many sticks and legs. One of the most impressive passers in the league, and he's leading the league in assists. So that must be true. Connor McDavid right there with him, 55. Eric Carlson right there as well with 55. So... Oh man, those are some elite passers right there. Leon Dreisaitl, 49 assists. Maddie Kachuk, 48 assists. And we got a Toronto Maple Leaf, Mitchell Marner, 45 assists, tied with Josh Morrissey and Quinn Hughes. So you got your defenseman right there, Quinn Hughes and Josh Josh Morrissey. Josh Morrissey especially having a, a fantastic season. Nathan McKinnon there and Artemi Panarin rounding out your top 10 with 43 assists apiece. So that is really awesome. Let's go over to the goaltenders and then we'll talk about the Flames a little bit and we'll finish it off with some Toronto Maple Leaf talk. So in goals against average, still leading the charge is Linus Olmark with a 1.9 old goals against average. Just stupid. I mean, can you imagine if Buffalo still had Olmark right now? Would they be a playoff team? And would Boston be a playoff team? Maybe the roles would be switched a little bit. I don't think, you know, Buffalo would be up there with uh, having one of the greatest seasons in NHL history. But if they had Olmark, they might be in a playoff spot right now. So that would have been interesting. Philip Gustafson in Minnesota is there with a 2.18 goals against average. I think they should be using them a little bit more over there in Minnesota. Honestly, they're still, they're hanging on to a wild card spot, but they are, they're hanging on, man. It is tight over there. So I think they should play him a little bit more. And he is second in the league in goals against average. So maybe there is something there. Number three is Jake Ottinger with a 2.23. Fourth place is Vitek Vanacek. 
Very nice right there. 2.31 and his former teammate, Toronto Maple Leaf now, Ilya Samsonov at a 2.32, rounding out your top five in goals against. Save percentage also leading the charge still there is Linus Olmark with a 9.37. That is unreal. That is very, very, very good. He's got a great team in front of him. I hate to say it, but it is true. The Boston Bruins are fantastic. He has been unbelievable for them. And uh, yeah, definitely a Vesna leader. I don't know if he is going to win it just because of the strength of the team in front of him. But I mean, look at the numbers. He's definitely in the conversation for sure. Philip Gustafson right there. Again, Minnesota. I know you have Marc-Andre Fleury, but Philip Gustafson has been playing great. He's got a nine point or a nine two six save percentage. Very, very solid. Very, very good, in fact. Jake Ottinger, 9.25. The Ottman, man, he's just been playing so good. And that contract looks very good right now. It's going to be a little bit scary when that one comes up at the end of the three years I think he signed. But really good value contract for the Dallas Stars right now. Connor Hellebuyuk, though the Jets have been kind of struggling a little bit, he's still playing quite good. He might be dealing with a little bit of an injury right now, but still he's at a 9-2-4. And then Ilya Sorokin with a 9-2-3. Yeah, man, these are, I mean, Philip Gustafson's a little bit of a surprise in there, but yeah, this is a pretty good looking top five in the NHL. I mean, Vasilevsky is in the top 10. You got UC Soros, who is in the top 10. Looking pretty good. I really like Elias Sorokin, man. He is a very, very good goaltender. Leading in wins, you got Linus Allmark, 27, Vasilevsky, 26, 26. Hellebuck at 25, the Ottman and Shishkirkin and Martin Jones still, and Vanacek all at 23. So there's your winningest goaltenders in the league right now. And that is a little bit of a stat update around the league. Where do you think McDavid finishes in the end at, of this season? Do you think he's going to crack that 140 mark? Do you think he's going to go even more crazy, hit an even higher stride, and go to that 150 mark? I believe the first person to hit 150 since Yazirman possibly maybe Yager but uh I, I think 130 is is definitely within sights I think he could do that will he hit 100 points in his next game I cannot see why not so let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit so Austin Matthews will be returning uh excuse me against the Chicago Blackhawks tonight that is great news uh Definitely the power play has been missing Austin Matthews a little bit here. Offense, obviously, been missing Austin Matthews a little bit. So it's nice to see him back. You can ease him in with a Chicago game. He won't have to be too crazy out there. I'm not sure how many minutes he's going to play, but good to have Austin Matthews back, of course. So that is great news. And obviously, a lot of trade talk has been swirling around Toronto lately. Who are the Leafs going to be targeting? Who should the Leafs get? I mean... I'm always going to like Luke Shen, man. I really like Luke Shen. I would love that pickup for um, the Leafs. And there's another guy on Vancouver that I really I really like him. I don't think it's um, necessarily a good fit, but I really like Connor Garland. Uh, he's a he's a smaller forward, yes, but he has that. He's definitely a little bit of an under underrated rat. He could be he could be chirpy. He can get in your face, and uh, yeah, I. I I feel like the offense hasn't necessarily been there for him in Vancouver. He's been getting a little bit more now that he's got Rick Tockett over there. He and Rick Tockett connected fairly well in Arizona when they were there. So 
maybe I, I think that he would do quite well in a Toronto uniform, Connor Garland. That contract's a little bit risky, but considering that the Leafs don't really have many people signed long term or anything, a little bit of like that's what um, Dubis has come out and said. He doesn't want to pay for a rental. He wants to get something that. It's not a rental. He wants to get someone that maybe has some term for next year or someone that he feels he can sign. So Connor Garland's got that term. Dubas has a history of of one-stop shopping where he will pick up multiple pieces from one team, from L.A., from other teams that he's done deals with. I can only pull up L.A. LA in my my brain right now. Columbus, they picked up multiple pieces. I know there's a lot of talk between or uh, with Chicago and picking up Jake McCabe and uh, one of their forwards, which, yep, that could work out as well. McCabe would be, I believe he is a right-handed, I don't know. I think everyone wants a upgrade or something to be done with Justin Hall because, yeah, he had, he had a really bad week. Definitely had a bad week, and whenever Justin, Justin Hall does something really bad, it's really, really, really bad, and it generally costs you a game, it'll cost you a goal, and we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the game that he had a really bad game in, but yeah, a lot of talks about Justin Hall this week and uh, wanting to get rid of him, upgrade him. Um, I would. I don't think they're going to trade him away just because, like, unless they have to for money, that's fine with me. I think an upgrade over Justin Hall is is a smart thing to do he's proven time and again that he chokes under pressure he'll make massive mistakes yes he could be solid for most parts of the season but again that's just a guy that has proven to be a liability in in playoff situations and and just kind of go brain dead at at times you just don't want him to do it and yes i understand that uh, sheldon keith likes the things and dubas likes the things that he does well which is fine but at this point, I think an upgrade would be really, really good. And, um, yeah, I feel like at this point, Justin Hall would be the guy to upgrade. I know that Sandine hasn't had a great year. Lilligren has been very sound, very solid this season. He's been pretty versatile. You could kind of put him with anyone. He's been good. TJ Brody and Morgan Riley have kind of been <clears throat> inconsistent, but Morgan Riley's been playing a better lately. Which again, I still think he's kind of dealing with something and just been just kind of been struggling with whatever injury it is. But uh, it's Morgan Riley, baby. He's our boy, so he'll get it together. He'll get it together. But uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what the Leafs are going to be going after. I still, I even though people are bringing up all these names, I still think Dubas is going to find a trade that no one's looking at, and that's generally how that goes down. I don't know. I yes, of course, I want them to go out and get Timo Meyer. That would be incredible. But Dubas won't do that unless he knows he can he can re-sign. Timo Meyer, and I just don't think that's in the cards. So yes, it would be awesome for the Leafs to go out and get Timo Meyer. I just don't, just don't know if he's gonna go out and do that, man. I think that would be an amazing piece. He's a big power forward that can add in that size and scoring. Uh, perfect fit, I would think, for that top line. You move Bunting down, or you can just keep Bunting where he is and and put Timo with with Johnny T. Regardless, Timo Meyer in the lineup would be fucking rights oh my god that'd be a fun time but um i want to hear from y'all what do you think are the leafs going to get i'm throwing out the connor garland and luke shen just because i haven't really heard that one i know luke shen is out there but i don't know man i've i've been a fan of connor garland for quite some time so i thought that deal um 
that Vancouver made. Sadly, they brought in Ekman Larson, but I, I always liked that they brought in Connor Garland. I always liked that player. Uh, hasn't necessarily worked out, like I said, with Vancouver, but Toronto always brings out the offense in a lot of players. Look at Kelly Yarncroke. He's been doing way better in the on offense than he ever has in his career it it just tends to happen with a lot of guys in Toronto that can get that offense going and I think Connor Garland would be a really fun fit maybe even Vancouver could retain a little bit on that so that would be interesting and I guess since I'm talking about Vancouver uh Thatcher Demko has come out and said that he wants to stay in Vancouver and I feel like that's the right move right now let's just try Try it again next year. See if he can he can rebound. Because, like I said, why would Vancouver want to trade him right now? Is there really that much point in trading him now? His value could not be lower. If you were going to trade him, you should have traded him after one of those playoff series. You could have got a boatload for him. You trade him now. I don't know what that that I just don't think it would be very good for Vancouver to trade him right now. So I would try and rebound with him. Try and. Uh, reestablish him as a solid starting goaltender and then if you want to move him move him but right now don't think it's a good move it's really good that he's come out and said that he wants to stay at least in my books I think it's a good thing that he wants to stay and I think he should stay Vancouver fans you can let me know what do you think about Thatcher Demko do you want him to stay or would you do you think it's a good idea to just trade him away try and get out of that contract and just try and be as bad as possible because They've really thrown their hat now into the fail hard for Connor Bedard sweepstakes. And oh man, that would just, that would be the funnest option for me, I would think, for the draft. If Connor Bedard gets drafted by Vancouver, the hometown, I mean, that would be so much fun. That would bring so much hope and, and life back into the Vancouver fans. They would have to be happy with that, right? You would have to be happy. And I would be happy for them. So that would be, you would have to think the best prospect they've had since. Pavel Bure possibly or uh you know but anyway that's uh oh that's the summertime we'll have to wait for that but yeah good to hear that that uh Thatcher Demko wants to stick around so I want to hear from y'all what do you think about Thatcher Demko who should the Leafs go out and get or do you think the Leafs are good as is I personally don't think they're there's there's always opportunity to add if you can add the depth do it if you can do it smartly if they can find something worthwhile to move that first round pick on we already know that Dubas is going to trade that first round pick anyway and trade down for like a second and a third that's what he always does he'll move down which is fine so if you can move that if you want to move that first I, th- I think you could do it this year I think it's it's you might have to man you just might have to you might have to try and look for whatever Tampa's doing like get a guy that is going to be effective against Tampa Bay because that's the team we got to get by if you can get by Tampa Bay sky's the limit with the Leafs so I'd be targeting a guy that could be really effective against Tampa Bay who's been effective in the past I don't know <laughs> you'd probably have to look at someone on New York or something so we'll see man so the trade deadline is getting closer and closer I I cannot wait to see what Dubas has got up his sleeve so the Leafs have finally got back into hockey action. It may not have been it's well it's not going to be very compelling games for the next little while. I mean we had back to backs against Columbus, which if you heard my enthusiasm for that in last week's episode, my enthusiasm pretty much stayed the same for those two games. I weren't I wasn't very into these games, so the first game went pretty well for the Leafs. I mean they won it three nothing, so something went right in that game. Steve's made his season debut. He was fine. You know, he wasn't very noticeable. I think he had an opportunity there to score a goal and he missed it, which, I mean, it happens. Uh, But 
Jesus, man, was Columbus ever horrific in that game. I don't know what the hell that was in front of Corpusalo, but oh my goodness, did I ever feel bad for Corpusalo? He was playing his heart out. He was making so many good saves, and the Leafs were... It looked like Mitch Marner was still playing an all-star game out there. He was just trying some ridiculous stuff, trying to do some embarrassing stuff to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it looked like they just couldn't care at all, except for Corpusalo. He seemed to be the only guy that had his head in the game, and honestly, if... If any other goalie was in the net, if Merzlikens was in the net that night, he might have led in 10. I don't know, man. If Corpusella was good, but oh my goodness, yeah, I fully understand now why Columbus is in the bottom of the league because that was embarrassing. But then it kind of got embarrassing for the Leafs. So the next game, Columbus wins it 4-3. to uh, Joseph Wall gets into his first game, which I will not blame him in this game. It's... Um, it was just a terrible game for the Leafs, man, and especially Justin Hall. He was horrific. He was pretty much the reason for three of the four goals going in. I mean, he was just not good at all defensively. He was letting guys just walk in in front. He missed a rebound, which caused a goal. I mean, yeah, he was horrific. And whenever he has a game like that, the fans and everybody's going to be all over him and when he's playing solid and sound he gets no respect and anything i understand it that's just how it goes with defense and um yeah it's not an easy place to play it's not easy to be a defenseman in toronto there's always been a whipping boy jake gardner roman polak everybody there's always been a whipping boy and um yeah right now it's it's justin hall and i fear i fear that when justin hall goes away if if hopefully they get rid of him i fear that maybe the whipping boy is going to become morgan riley and i feel like he's been the whipping boy before he's a big strong boy he can take it he's i just don't i just don't want that to happen to morgan riley don't want it to happen to justin hall either but i mean he makes his own bed and sleeps in it when he plays like shit like that i mean yeah you're gonna get ridiculed for it so maybe don't play like that i understand it was the columbus blue jackets and honestly i think steve dangle might have taken it a little bit too far with his with his video because i mean i know it's a gimmick and he screams and yells that's just what he's known for that's what he does and that's what he'll continue to do personally i mean i've been watching him for years and years and years when when i could tell i mean you just look at the thumbnail in that video i'm like okay he's gonna be screaming and yelling i mean i'm 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 not i mean that's just kind of what he has to do but i i I don't take that loss as like detrimental to their playoff abilities i mean yes it is concerning that the leafs still play down to their to, to their opponents but you can't expect them to play playoff style or unbelievable hockey every single game. I mean, the motivation's going to be low. They had a back-to-back against a team that sucks. And, yeah, it's again, it's one of those teams that they're not really that Columbus Blue Jackets anymore, that resilient team that never goes away. But they still have that a little bit. They're still kind of there. And, honestly, yeah, I was expecting them to lose a game against the Blue Jackets, maybe in the opposite order they're gonna lose on the road and win at home but yeah personally like i like steve dangle and all but he's almost sometimes the reason why people think leaf fans are just horrible because a lot of people take that perception i mean steve dangle is kind of the the leader of the of the of the leaf nation and stuff so a lot of fans around the league believe that that's how we all are but no i mean i'm not gonna take a loss against columbus and be like oh they're they're gonna lose in the first round again i'm like no 
but like, yeah, obviously you want them to win, but I'm not going to go to a 10 because they lost against Columbus. It doesn't matter. They suck ass, but I mean, yeah, they should be obliterating them seven, nothing, but I don't know. I'm not going to take it for that much. They just came out of the all-star break. They got no Austin Matthews. So I'm not going to worry about it too much. I'll move on from, from those games. So they will be playing Chicago. Now that one, uh, that one, if they lose tonight against Chicago with Poppy in, in the lineup, then yes, then there's some concern if they're losing back to back and then, Okay, let's take a look at the Leafs uh, schedule here just a little bit. Let's see, we got Chicago on... Yes, so Chicago tonight, and then Montreal on Saturday, and then Chicago on Sunday. So yeah, the Leafs had a very easy schedule for February, so I can see them maybe taking their foot off the pedal right now in February. This is one of the toughest parts of the season, kind of the grindiest part of the season. It's a shitty time of the year in North America. It's cold, it's snowy, it's wet, it's disgusting, it's dark all the time. So yeah, I can understand motivation levels and all that being a little bit low right now. So again, if they, let's just say they they throw up an egg against Chicago and they get dominated 5-1, then you can be pissed, but they played the game that they played against Columbus. There's like, yes, you could be upset, but not that upset, okay? Anyway, so they're playing Chicago tonight. Hopefully they get a win. Hopefully Austin Matthews puts up 17 goals and just shoots his way right up into the Maurice Rocket Richard race and just be like, oh, hey, bitches, I'm back. I doubt it, but hopefully. And then they're playing Montreal, so that would be fun. I want them to get their revenge on Montreal because... Montreal always seems to play very well against the Leafs, and I want them to get their revenge. I don't believe they've even beaten them this year, and my wife is a Habs fan, so I don't want her to have that reigning over me for the rest of the year. So please win on Saturday against the Habs. And I guess before I close out the show, I did kind of say I was going to talk about the Flames, so let's talk about the Flames just a little bit. So they've kind of just continued to be the Flames... They win one, they lose one, and they pick up yet another overtime loss. Uh, They come out of the break, they lose to New York in a pretty good game. Like, uh, you know, New York, like I said, is one of the hotter teams in the league, so I wasn't expecting them to win that game, but they lose to Detroit, not good, and then they demolish Buffalo. You're like, oh, hey, what's up with that? And then they lose in overtime to Ottawa, so... Yeah, again, Calgary still is not... They're just not playing good, man. They're not playing good good enough. Markstrom, not playing good enough. And again, I'll throw out Vladar. I know he's not putting up amazing numbers either, but he's got more... He's getting more wins. He's playing better than Markstrom. Just play the hottest... Just play who's winning. Like, I know you want Markstrom to get his shit together, but it's just not there at this point. You're 50-plus games into the year. He just doesn't have it this year. And there was a funny thing out there going around that, oh, hey, maybe Calgary can make a deal with Vancouver and you trade Markstrom for Demko and you put Markstrom back in Vancouver, which would be just so mean to poor Markstrom. He did not have a good time in Vancouver the first time. So, I mean, that trade would be hilarious. I Sure, if it goes down, that would be hilarious. I don't I don't think it, would, it will happen, but that would be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Regardless, Calgary... You're in, uh, God damn it, man. Like, can, uh, it's just been such a frustrating season, man. Really, really frustrating. I mean, at least recently, Dubé's been playing really good. He's been on fire, so that's been really decent. And other than that, man, yeah, the Flames continue 
to spin tires. They're not going anywhere. I think at this point you got to change the coach. I don't. I don't think at this. I don't know. I think I've. They should have pulled the trigger a while ago, but. This happens with Sutter, man. He runs his course, and it looks like he ran his course in Calgary. So I think they should fire him. The team there is good. I mean, Huberto should not be playing the way that he is. I think they need a coaching change. I suggest that they get the coach that was uh, coaching Florida before Maurice came in. I don't remember his name, the guy after Quenville. Bring him into Calgary because he was he worked well with Huberto. I think at this point, the best thing to do is trying to get Huberto going and try to re-get Markstrom back into the game because those are two really important pieces. Get them going. So, I don't know, man. Calgary just continues to be disappointing. What games do they, do they have coming up? Let's take a look at what they got. Oh, no. They got Philadelphia and Arizona coming up. So, oh, wait, sorry. Excuse me. Uh, Thursday, they're playing Detroit, and then they're playing New York Rangers again this Saturday. That'll be a really good game. That was a that was a really good game they played against New York entertainment-wise. I'm sad that they lost it, so hopefully they can get their revenge at home against New York It's um, and, and against Detroit. I mean, they Detroit is a must-win. you got to win that game, and honestly, at this point, you're in pretty much almost everything is must-win territory, so Flames really got to get it going. Let's uh let's just see where are, yeah so right now they're out of a wild card spot they're tied with Minnesota Minnesota's got a game in hand Nashville's got three games in hand they are five points back though so it looks like it's gonna come down to Calgary Minnesota and if Seattle can stay in there I don't think Edmonton I think Edmonton's gonna start taking off right now so the Flames door is still open but it gets it gets it's starting to close um, a little bit every single day. So, Flames fans out there, what the hell is going on? What do you think they should do? Is there a trade out there that they can make right now? Or do you? Th- I think personally, just fire Sutter. Like I'm over it. I'm over it. That's what I think they should do. Uh, the whole team collectively has just been underwhelming. So. I think fire sitter. That's what I think. Bring in the old guy that was coaching Florida. He was doing good, and I, I think try that out. Try the try that. So that is going to be my show for this week. Thank you everybody for listening. And um, sadly, it is Wednesday. You guys will make it. You're so close to the weekend, and that means the weekend will have your wrestling recap on Saturday, and your GX GamerCast will be on Monday. I haven't selected what topic of video game I'm going to talk about this week. If you have any suggestions. Be my guest if you want to. If you if you have a game that I haven't talked about on this podcast yet and you want me to talk about it and I know about it, I'll let you know. And maybe I will. Maybe that will be the game I talk about. I haven't picked one yet, like I said. So thank you, everybody. Let's go Leafs this, this uh, tonight and take out Montreal. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to have these games on in the background because they're just not really compelling enough for me. We'll see how the night goes. We'll see how the night goes. More than likely going to be some background noise for me while I play some video games or something. But, um, yeah, here we go. Let's see how the Leafs do. Trade deadline is coming up. Let me know what you think the Leafs are going to do this trade deadline. And we will be back again soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you.